Hello, this is MJ Renshaw, and you are listening to the Being Method podcast. Let's start by taking a big deep breath together. (sighs) On the podcast, we have long-awaited top quality guest, Desiree Pace. Uh, We've been trying to make this happen for over a year. (laughs) But it's happened at the perfect moment. It truly has. Um, I just want to bless you and you're like, your schedule is so organized. You're so uh, prepared in advance. And I I had to like get my life together to match that. I was like, oh my God, she's like planning three months in advance. Like I need to be on this level. What what am I doing? (laughs) It's not organized. I'm wearing my husband's boxers right now. And there's literally toys all around me and children's underwear just hanging out there. I don't even know if they're clean or dirty. Um. (laughs) That's amazing. Schedules aside, we are actually here to talk about the energetics of love. I'm really excited. You're in love. I'm in love. I feel like we might have something good to say. Before we get into the juiciness of it, I want you to tell us the story of the second date with your boyfriend because it's hilarious. Um, okay. So this, I'm just laughing and smiling. You can't see my face right now. But um, I was single for eight years and I lived in New York City. So as many people who might be listening to the podcast who live in a big city and know how the dating rodeo of a big city can go, it was, a, to make it spiritual, it was a journey. And the last few years, especially, I really stepped into my power and got more confident and all of these things and really went on like the one end of the bad bitch spectrum. So, you know, I just was a little bit of a tough cookie. And when I first met my boyfriend, the story how we met is actually very cute, but it's a little bit of a long story, but it was a rekindle. We actually met in 2018 and we rekindled um, through work and then work stuff didn't play out. So then we started, he started to pursue me more heavily romantically. And uh, he took me on a first date, which was great. And I truly wasn't thinking so much of it because I was so used to the dating rodeo that I was like, that was fun on with life move on next and he had planned another date very quickly after and I show up at the bar and it's like the super cute romantic place and I walk in and he's sitting there very like smug and like smiling and like he's a very he's a very cute like grin and he's just looking I'm like what is he I don't know whatever okay hi how are you and he just looks down at the bar and there's a rose there a single red rose And I look at it and I was like, oh my God, my first fucking thought was, oh my God, somebody left their rose. And I'm turning around and like looking at the bar and like looking for this person that like left. I turned to him and I was like, someone left their flowers. And he just was like smiling and he like waited for me to figure it out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, it's for me, is it? And he's like, good job. You did it. And the bartender was there and she was just like, it was like a five minute thing, by the way. It took me that long to figure (laughs) it out. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. I think not to read too much into this, but I really resonate with that because I think sometimes people think when you're showing up with a partner and you're there for love, you're like totally in your self-confidence. When it's it hasn't been the truth of my experience. Like I was a little bit messy when I got with Ian. I was better at my energetics, but like not perfect. And I always want to reiterate that to people. Like you don't have to be like totally healed, totally perfect. You just have to have like a little bit of the energetics of self-worth, but not always. There's tons of stories like that in my life where Ian was doing something and I was like, this couldn't possibly be about me. 
but it was. And I was like, oh, I'm the girl. I'm the main character. (laughs) So thank you for sharing that story. I love it. It's very endearing. I love what you said about that's a huge, it's so important to state that and to share that for people who are listening because um, I have a huge perfectionist story and perfectionist tendencies and um, I have been in the wellness world, the spiritual world, the healing world since 2010. So it's a long time. And I found over time that I made everything, it became so much like when I'm healed, then this will happen. When this mm. is when I'm better, this will happen. Or when I'm healthy, this will happen. Or when I'm, per- which is really just like when I'm perfect, I'll get what I want. Mm-hmm. And it's really something that I had to heal. And I started to actually, like you know, two years ago, really started to learn that lesson where it's not about being perfect. It was just about figuring out who I am and what I want and like actually embracing my imperfections and letting them shine more because that's what made me unique. And we're not, the only time we're going to be totally quote unquote healed is when we're six feet under and there's nothing left to learn on this plane. And what I learned was that if, cause we have this, I'm sure you know this, but the law of divine transference. So if I'm taking one step towards, towards whatever, the universe has to take one step towards me. So if I'm taking one step towards my healing, my self-growth, my self-love, my self-admiration, then the things that are going to come in are just going to match that. But we're never going to be perfect. And it's really just get to a point where you love yourself enough. You've done enough healing that I think it's you know how to take care of yourself. And that's like the real self-love vibration that people are, um, that I was missing, if you will. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if you resonate with this, but the part that I used to want everything to be perfect. And then I came to realize that it is the imperfections that make life perfect. It's not me usurping God's power. It's not me being like, oh no, sorry, God, I could actually plan this whole thing out better than you. So take a step back. <laughs> it was like me looking around and realizing like, oh my gosh, my life has been chaotic and gross sometimes, but it's actually wonderful. And I I embrace all those times. So yeah, that's been like just reframing what perfect means to me. It's not this like figment of my imagination where I'm going to hyper control everything because I'm fearful. It's just being in the present moment and being like, there's maybe dirty underwear beside me of my daughters. I don't know, but it is what it is. And it's beautiful. A hundred percent. And it was actually, um, how I really started to learn this lesson was I lost a friend in 2020 and it was really, really intense as loss is. And, um, that was so messy. And I, I just completely, um, lost myself because this was someone that I really, uh, cared a lot about. And, the grief of that taught me a lot. The grief of that taught me that like we're never perfect and we're never healed, but we can learn how to love ourselves and take care of ourselves. That's really what I learned. And I actually got into trauma therapy right after that happened. That was the pretty much after the initial shock, you know, like two weeks or so, I came to a point where I thought, well, I have two ways I can go about this. I can, uh, it was so intense. I've been through a lot of loss in my life and that was the most personal and the most intense. And I said, I can go two ways with this. I can suppress my feelings, pretend that I'm fine 
or I can face this and get in trauma therapy. And that's what I decided to do. And that was the best decision I ever made because I clearly had a lot of other trauma that was underneath of there that was not unpacked. And after about a year of trauma therapy from like 2021 to 2022, I completed a cycle of learning how to really take care of myself for the first time. And that was so huge. And it wasn't just about the like, getting financially secure, which I was on the way to doing. It wasn't like that external things of like being the quote unquote bad bitch. It was like, sometimes that could be a front of like, I've got the house, I've got the life, I've got the money, I've got the job, I've got the glam, but I still don't know how to actually like take care of myself underneath of all of that. My needs, my insecurities, my fears, my triggers, my doubts. Once I started to get curious about those and it's a never ending journey, that's when the self love changed. And then my relationship came in so fast after that. Mm, I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I meant to say it. <laughs> She's like, I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but it works. See, it's working on me. You're calling yeah. me. Um, it's very <laughs> magnetic to admit that we're not perfect and that we're messy and we're human. Yeah. Okay. There's some things that I want you to define. One is the bad bitch archetype that you're talking about. I have been there. We love her, but she's not falling in love. <laughs> she's, she's not what? She's what? Falling in love. She's not falling in love. She's not falling in love. Yeah. She's okay. I love this question. Okay. Was there another part to it? I no, can go that, was it. that was it. That was it. That was it. So the bad bitch was if and was a persona that I needed to cultivate at a certain period of time to, because I was so insecure at one point, you know what I mean? It was like, Mm -hmm. I'm so insecure. My self-worth was so low that she was who I had to cultivate to find my own bad bitch, you know, to like find that version of me that is confident, is going to not let anybody walk all over her, is going to have boundaries, is going to be able to say no, is going to not let anybody disrespect my time, energy, money, finances, this or that. It's like that version. But then when you come into a relationship, uh, the bad bitch doesn't really work, you know? And there's a difference between being confident and having needs and making sure your needs are met and being vocal and having but there's a lot more when you get into like a real partnership there's a lot more like hey we can be the bad bitch in the world because the world is where we really gotta like sharpen our nails and this and that and the world is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a tough place to be sometimes if not a lot of times but in the context of like an intimate romantic relationship I actually had to drop the bad bitch a lot and really fast because she was so used to being independent on her own and was ready to fucking like any little thing I was like I'm out you know and he was like um I know what you're trying to do here but like (laughs) one I'm not gonna let you and two just sit down and like buckle your seat like be like in the uber i'd be like i'm out you know he'd be like the sky's blue and i was like no it's not i'm out you know and he would just like just sit down relax everything's fine i see you trying to like run away but like it's not gonna work this time you know and i loved that because that made me feel safe to drop those yeah i have a memory of like us in our apartment ian was like kicked back on the couch with his arms behind his head. We were in the middle of a fight and he always has the most relaxed posture during them. And I'm like, fuck you. 
And I had my bags packed and I was like leaving and my car keys getting into my little white BMW. And I was like, you know what? I'm leaving. I'm going to my friend's house, like blah, blah, blah. I was like, da, da, da. And then he's like, all right, kiss me goodnight when you come back. And I was like, whatever. And he didn't chase me. And I drove like a hundred meters down the street, cried in my car, listened to a little bit of Radiohead and like literally did the shame walk back. And I was like, oh, I have to, I have to grow up a little bit. Like, But it's true what you say, like you do have to have out in the public world, you have to be very clear. Things are very contractual. You have Mm -hmm. to be clear with people about what you're doing and why you're doing it, because a lot of it is like transactional because of capitalism. I hope I'm not going too crazy with this, but it is like a lot of a lot of the relationships are transactional out in the public world. And there has to be very clear boundaries for that. And you will get run over if you don't have them. People will just take advantage of you. But then in the home, whether it's with family or lovers or close friends, things have to be a lot more soft. It's not, you can't show up there with your therapy talk and, you know, whatever the other BS things that we do and be so robotic. Like we have to have a level of humanness and understanding that they're humans too. And like, they're not always going to be up to our standards and that's okay. And nor are we. I love the story that you just shared about, you know, being all packed and ready to get in the car and get in the car and they're not following you. And they're like, so it's just me. Apparently you're mature. In my car. <laughs> like listening to a radio ad. <laughs> and you realize you have to like your tail between sometimes like you need space, of course, but it's like different than I resonate with that story because I've had to fight that version of me because I'm like, this is a secure relationship. This is a man who's secure and loving and ready to be a partner. And he's not really here to like, like when I try to like do those mechanisms, he just kind of like lovingly watches. And is just like, I know that this is much more about like how you've learned to like take care of yourself in a way of like dealing with trauma basically. But like, this is all like nonverbal, but he's, it's basically the way that he holds the composure of it is like, you don't have to do that here. And like, there has been times when he's vocalized it in a very sweet and loving way. Like, I see you trying to like blow this up into flames right now. And I'm like, well, why don't you do that? You know? And there have been moments when I've literally froze because I've wanted to do that thing where I like get in the car, I don't have a car, I live in New York, but like get in the car and like, run away and I've learned that that's really just my stuff of like confronting my own fears and I don't want to run away from this this is a wonderful relationship with a wonderful human being and so a lot of the healing actually in relationship has been me learning to deal with my own trauma responses to things that are nothing that's like tangible there's no tangible thing there to be running away from you know Mm -hmm. there's nothing this is a green flag only relationship, mm-hmm. you know? And I, something I think about a lot is this book called The Big Leap, which talks about like when things go so well, sometimes you just don't people with trauma or like things that have happened in the past, they just don't know how to handle well, you know? So like that will cause me to freak out. And I've learned that's where you're talking about what you talk about, like that bad bitch is not going to work in this relationship. That version of me that wants to like pack my shit up and do whatever which it's never gotten that far, but it's like, you know, a moment where I wanted to like, you know, it's just because I'm scared Mm -hmm. of getting hurt. 
And if I sit through that and I don't go into that fear or react to it, maybe I need to go into the room for a second, take a pause. Maybe I need to just tell him, which mm-hmm. is not the bad, quote unquote, bad bitch. But ultimately, it is the bad bitch. Mm-hmm. You know it's I mean? a badder bitch. Badder bitch. He's the real badder bitch. To be vulnerable and be like, and we've some of our most beautiful conversations have been like, actually, this is what's coming up for me. And this is what's really happening. And, and I'm scared of this. And wow, actually, when I tell you this out loud, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with my childhood and the things that I face there. And and in a secure and beautiful relationship, your partner will go, I hear you and I understand. I'm like, I'm listening and I'm there for you. In other relationships I've been in, the response that have been like, whoa, this is too much. You know, so in a real relationship, you can drop all of those walls and not mm-hmm. even just walls, but like protection mechanisms that we've mm-hmm. cultivated as a way to try to keep ourselves safe and realize that you don't have to protect yourself anymore and that I know that he's got me, you know? I love that. I wanted to offer you a really special gift 50% off the Being Portal Breathwork subscription. And I'm doing this because it's our one year anniversary of the podcast. So congratulations to us. We've been podcasting together for a year. So whether you're a new friend or an old friend, you can join the Being Portal and use the code BIRTHDAY and get 50% off to experience transformational breathwork that only takes 10 to 30 minutes a day and will shock you at how much it changes your life. We've got breathworks that can help you clear out stagnant emotions, that help integrate somatic work, and that help you with things like partnership or manifesting or protecting your energy. We got breathworks for everything. So give it a shot. You got 50% off. The code is birthday. Thank you so much. I love you. Okay. So there's two different things that are really like coming through. One is the energetics of calling in love. So you've alluded to, you know, you had to start practicing self-care. And I mean, like this does look like making sure you are caring about the external things to a point, right? Like it is good to have a budget or whatever, you know, just those like little things that like are hard in the moment, but you're like, whoo, okay, I'm glad I have that. Like I feel a lot more safe in the world now because I'm a little bit more aware of me and I'm aware of how, what I'm doing or whatever. But let's talk about the internal things. So you talked about, you touched on doing trauma therapy and taking care of yourself kind of like internally. What does that look like? What, how could someone start doing that? Do they just do trauma therapy? No, I mean, I think it was so many different things. I think that for me, um, it was kind of like all the years that I was single, I needed that time personally. That was my path. I don't think that this is everybody. Some people have a different path, but I needed that time to get myself together financially, you know, because I'm uh, self-employed and there were times when I just didn't have steady finances and it really affected my self-confidence and my career and all of those things. And so I wanted to get started with that. And that was the first thing was really just like, okay, how can I take care of my finances? So that's how I started Benchon. And I, cause I basically was in a relationship where I was so insecure, like in 2015 and this person had their career together. They have their money together. They have their stuff together and those insecurities were so intense that the relationship didn't work out. And I just said to myself, I don't ever want to be in this position again. So from that moment on, it was really about like, okay, how do I get my finances together? How do I get my career together? How do I get 
It's just really it's self-care. Getting myself financially secure is self-care. Getting myself in a place where I feel good about my career is self-care. Getting myself in a place where I feel good in the world is self-care. Getting myself in a place where I felt, you know, um, like I had the friends and the community and the support. It was self-care. So that took a while for me to build up. And I don't think it has to take everybody a while. Some people are already at a place where they love their career, they love their money. But for me, I really had to get that stuff sorted out. And then once I got that sorted out, it was sort of by just coincidence of life, this just happened. This very tragic thing happened. And that took me deeper to another level, you know, doing trauma work, you start to deal with deeper things. One of the things that I learned was that relationship did not, once the like actual shock and grieving of that ended, I was not just grieving that person, but I was grieving what they represented. And so that was, um, that person represented like a lot of unconditional love. They loved crazy people. They loved people that were just like, the more weird you were, the more this person loved them. You know, and so I was learning to like, how can I give that to myself? How can I be all the weird versions of me that I don't let other people see because I'm too busy trying to be perfect? So that was taking care of myself. That was learning. And I found that the more that I started to bring out the versions of me that I was trying to hide from the world to be this like, you know, Mm -hmm. prim and proper thing, perfect, quote unquote. I realized that things started to fall away that were just not aligned with how I wanted to feel. And then I started to call in or just manifest or whatever you want to call it, the most amazing friendships and community. Like it was just life-changing. The humor was there, the fun, the play, just the more I leaned into myself and who I am, the more I started to call in a lot of people that were like that and that were just so incredible. So I was like, okay, I'm onto something here. So it really became, a, you know, the last two years then became, how do I be more and more myself? How do I be more and more myself? How do I be more and more myself? Who is she? What does she want? What does it look like? What is the taste? What is the texture? I'm loud. I'm a lot. I have a lot of energy. I have a lot of emotion. I'm like funny things like you know like I'm crazy like like all these things that I tried to hide at one point Mm -hmm. I was like no that's like the part that make me special and spicy and weird and fun and dynamic the more that I cultivated that life just got better and better and then the final straw was I was actually dating somebody in 2022 and that was the first time that I was really dating somebody that I was really proud of the person that I was Mm. I was like I'm proud like I like her like the way that she's showing up, even in insecurities, even in this, even in that, like she's doing great, you know? And when that didn't work out because this person was emotional and available and was the same person, different body, I was like, okay, this is eight years of this same person, different body. What's happening here? Because I showed up great, but I'm still attracting emotional and available people. And I read the book Attached. And after that ended, and I was reading this book Attached and I started to learn about avoidant, secure, mm-hmm. anxious attachment, learned that, well, I'm anxious attachment. I keep manifesting avoidant people because that's what I think is love. And that changed everything. When I read that book, it was something about reading that book that I got really clear. I was like, oh my God, like I actually think in my nervous system that love is that feeling of being anxious. 
And I was like, I literally, like my nervous system thinks that if I don't feel that like uppity, lovey, like fearful, anxious, or they call or they're not going to call, then I realized I was like, I'm waiting to be chosen. Right. Mm -hmm. And so after reading that, I was like, I need to try on some different stuff. I was like, I, all the rules that are in dating, quote unquote rules, I was like, I'm dropping every single one of them. I was like, I'm dropping every single one. I'm dropping every game, every rule. What do I want? How do I want to be treated? What what do I want? Down to like texting. I was like, people mm-hmm. say no, like huge. 24 hour rule and the no. beginning of dating. I was like, who fucking cares at this point? I was like, I am not waiting around for someone to respond. I'm busy. I run a business. I yeah. can respond to people. Like, I'm not interested in this shit. I'm not interested in excuses anymore. Yeah. Like, and it came from such a healed place. It came from a place of like realizing that I was attracted to that. And every time that I continued to go after someone who, well, I, but first you have to get clear about what it is that you want. And it wasn't the like superficial stuff of like handsome, beautiful, tall, this. It was like, what do I need? You know, I dated a lot of people that were not great communicators. And I took the spiritual shit and I made it about me. How can I become more confident and more this and more independent and that? And I was like, I've done enough. I'm good. I don't need someone. I don't need to learn more to be okay with someone who's not a good communicator. I need to be with someone who's a good communicator. Why? Because I have insecurities. And because I love talking. It's fun (laughs) for me. Like, it's fun (laughs) for me to be in a dynamic with someone who's excited to chat and excited to... So I was like, I'm dropping every rule. And like, let me tell you, my affirmation was I'm too much, go find less. And my, once I, this all had like that last ingredient, reading the book attached, getting super clear with what I wanted, how I wanted to be treated down to texting, which I know sounds silly, but it was like, no, not at all. So big. I like he my boyfriend's six five he came galloping in like it was mm. so fast you know like it was like so fast and with like fire in the lid too like it's like as soon as you get that clear like it just fucking happened the last piece to it was I realized I was still when I was dating and meeting people I realized I was still entertaining people that were bad texters so I was like I wasn't gonna entertain it yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I think I had read Marianne Williamson like so much <laughs> before I met Ian and I hadn't read her like I had a breakup, got really got into doing A Course in Miracles again, reading A Return to Love. And then I remember so many times with Ian, my brain would go, okay, don't text him back for this long because he didn't, you know what I mean? Just that BS stuff that you learn, play hard to get, whatever. And I remember being like, okay, is that the loving choice? Like what I want here is love. So I'm going to have to choose the loving route to get there. And the loving route is not the route of being like, how can I close myself off? How can I close my heart? How can I play a game with this person? How can I try to manipulate the situation so that I can seem on top or cooler or more avoidant or whatever? And I had to really, really, really lay down every single wall, every single mask and just be like, yeah, like I'm really into you. (laughs) you want (laughs) you know like I just had to be so vulnerable and it's true that that is the cooler person 
Like anytime we, uh, like anytime I'm around, like Brene Brown is 100% right. Anytime I'm around anyone who's like okay with themselves, okay to show like any part of their shadow, any part of their vulnerabilities, and they're like so comfortable in it, I'm like, whoa, that is a power. Like, that I'm currently trying to cultivate it, have cultivated, but it's like a power to have someone like peek behind the hood or look behind your curtain. And you're like, yep, there it is. (laughs) Like, it's weird. (laughs) And like, you're totally okay with that. And like, it's just, it's so vulnerability really is a magic power. So I love what you're saying, like, you know, getting clear on what you want, your standards. Like my standard is I want someone who's going to communicate with me my standard is someone who's going to see me and my eccentricities and be like, I love her. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Let the light shine on you. I love that. I'm a Leo. My husband's a Aquarius. So I totally get that. Like I need, I need a man who's going to be like, do you want a spotlight? <laughs> Which I love that. And like, I love what you're saying about, all. you know, it's like, I think that going back to what we talked about at the beginning about having all of these like defense mechanisms, whether it's packing things up and getting in the car, whether it's, you know, for me, the biggest one was shutting down. And what I love about my partner is that this is really the difference between the healed relationship and like a a relationship with someone that's not available is my biggest defense was shutting down, like fully just shutting down. And he has, that's like peeking behind the lid, you know, And and it's really not just like a, um, it was like a trauma shutdown fully. Mm-hmm. Like my yeah. whole body would just shut down. I have the down. same thing. I would like stonewall. Like I wouldn't even be able to talk. Yeah. Like I couldn't like speak up and I couldn't like, it was so scary for me to talk, you know, because I, it's a long story. We don't have time to get into, but it was just very scary for me to like talk. And that's where people want to walk away because it's so afraid to be in that space or like run away. And when I mentioned earlier about the fear of like wanting to run, it's, Nothing that was in the relationship. It was just that fear of talking, that fear of speaking up, that fear of like being vulnerable was what made me want to like freeze and, you know, not split, but you know what I mean? Like it was just so scary. You know, I didn't want to be in that moment. And having a secure partner, like a loving relationship, which takes two to tango, you know, I was ready to sit through that fear and be in the fire of it, you know. And also to have a partner reflect back, like, like, get it out, say it, just say it, just say it, I'm here, just say it, you know, like, just get it out, whatever it is, just communicate it, just, and that was, it was so funny, it was literally like, like a, like a, like a, um, like a sport game, you know, where he'd be like, come on, just like the coach, like, just do it, just do it, you can do it, just say it, just get it out, and I'd be like, word vomit, you know, the craziest stuff that I thought was crazy. And he'd be like, great. Okay. That was fine. What do you want to do for dinner? And I was like, that's it. Like if the relationship's not over and he would be like, Oh, not in my book. you know." <laughs> oh my God. I love this. There was like a TikTok that was going around where it was an audio that people were using. And it was a woman being like, you know what? It's over. She was like Southern. She was like, it's over. I'm done with you. Like, I just, I can't even deal with this. And then the guy goes, okay, so what what kind of sauce do you want with your chicken nuggets? And she's like, you know, I love the hot and honey. <laughs> and it's just like the most perfect example of that. Like I, yeah, of having a safe relationship where 
obviously you don't want to be toxic and like breaking up with someone every five minutes. You want to kind of be respectful of them and kind, but we have our moments. My husband has had his moments. I've had my moments. Like everybody has grace. Sometimes you get triggered to the point where you're like, what are you doing? Um, And to have that other person have the like emotional awareness, not to go there with you, like just to sit back and be like, okay, this person's really triggered and it's going to be helpful if I just take a deep breath while they're doing whatever they're doing in this moment and be like, okay, can we talk about this? Or like, are you done? <laughs> I love you. <ya." laughs> we, we have a system where if I get really triggered now, a new way that we do it, if I get really triggered, he's kind of just like, what is that? Like, what, what's, because it's usually never about what's happening. Yeah, it's just yeah, kind yeah. of like, He's like trying to follow along, you know, (laughs) it's like a bunch of ghosts in the room. (laughs) And he's just like, so sweet. And like, just genuinely just trying to like follow along, like what's happening. And we've through conversation, we've learned a best, a great way. Cause sometimes you get triggered and you're just like, you're not there. You Mm -hmm. know, I'm just like in five weeks ago or like a month ago or like whatever, you know? And so what he has started doing after we've had these like great talks about it is just he'll look at me and he'll just say, what's really the matter? Or like, what's really wrong? And that allows me to like take a step back and just kind of sit in it a little bit and look at what's really wrong. It's usually not the things that I'm upset about. And when we communicate that, that's when we have these amazing breakthroughs and these amazing Mm -hmm. conversations that... Leave us both feeling connected, I think. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like the heart to heart connection. Yeah. Versus you need to do this and you should do that. And of course, that happens too. We're all human and we're learning, all learning how to communicate in relationship. But those moments I find one are when we have really have those breakthroughs, quote unquote. Yeah. And the deeper you get, the more you trust that person. I find, you know, at the beginning, you're like, can I trust you? Can I give you? A little bit of my heart and then they take it and you're like okay okay and then like a couple months later you're like more can I give you a little bit more of my heart and they're like and you're like okay okay and then like finally you know after however long you probably just do that forever I bet but I love that you brought that up though because that's really important the like can I give you my heart and then you test it out and can mm-hmm. I give and like because because I I'm very new to relationship and um like you know adult relationship it's been a long fucking time but People ask me these kinds of questions all the time. Like, how do I trust? How do I, my end, like I just sort of dating somebody new and I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And does this mean it's not it? Or does this mean that and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I felt anxiety too, but mm-hmm. I felt uh, he was very consistent. Like he mm-hmm. showed up so consistent and he still does to this day. He has not changed. There's an mm-hmm. Instagram meme that's like, do not give me an energy that you cannot be consistent on. And he has been like the same person since day one. So that made me feel safe because I dealt with a lot of, you know, yeah. posting this, that, whatever, the New York horrible. So of course you're afraid of your heart being on, on the table. I've, had, I've gone through so many dating things where the guy was like so intense and then just ghosted. And I was like, you were literally texting me that you loved me. Like, on the third date, <laughs> like, people are wild. I, it's not, I'm not insinuating that you need to test people in any way, but we're human, right? Like I didn't offer 100% of my heart and total trust to Ian from the mo- like moment we met. Um, 
but I was going to try. Exactly. And that's the difference. It's like, I dropped the games. Mm -hmm. I dropped the like, you know, Mm -hmm. he texted. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to wait an hour to respond. I just responded right away. Or like, if he asked me if I was free, I wouldn't pretend I was busy or whatever it is. It was like all the gamey things I dropped. It's like like, you guys... It's like you guys are like swimming out into an ocean together and you're going to swim a little bit and then he's going to come and he'll swim further and he'll be like, okay, yeah, I'll swim there with you. And then you guys just keep kind of going together. And like after a while, you're just swimming, like you're in love and you're in this relationship, but you've learned that you can go out into this crazy, scary unknown. Like being in love is very scary because it's devastating. Like breakups are devastating and we've all had either you know, big experiences of that with like broken marriages or broken fine, like whatever engagements. Not that that, those are any bigger than anything else, but like my biggest breakup was when I was like eight. So I don't, (laughs) but it's still like, I still have that memory of being like, oh, heartache hurts. Like I listened to bright eyes a lot. Like I know it hurts. So yeah, it's definitely scary. That's my analogy is swimming. I love it. And one of my best friends, she's engaged and she, you know, whenever a conflict would arise, I would talk to her about it and she would be like, oh, this is not as worse, as bad as it's going to get. You're going to go through bigger stuff. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, she's been with her partner for a long time and they have a very loving, healthy, secure relationship. But like two people trying to coexist things. It's not even about the other person. It's like things happen, breakup, loss life death jobs like the things are happening as you're trying to coexist too and it's just so funny because anytime that we would have a conflict and i would share with my friends she would just smiles so big and she's like you guys got through it good okay that's not the biggest shit you're gonna go through she's like just get ready for it you know like <laughs> and I'm, every time i'm like what do you mean that's not the biggest stuff she's like nope she's like there's so many things that I'm like, this is like your person for life. You yeah. think about like the grand scheme of like having kids or like, you know, getting married or where you're going to live or mm-hmm. when one person loses their job and the other person has a job or one person doesn't have a job. Like all these really big life decisions, mm-hmm. those things are going to take a bump. And, but back to what you said about a little piece of the heart, you know, like he's just shown up so loving and consistent this whole time. And it was really me kind of like, okay, how much can they give? How much can we, if we have conflict, is this going to end because of this argument? Mm-hmm. And every time you see that they're still there, there's mm-hmm. somebody to love on you. And they're still so, um, it's not going to push them away. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. The Being Method is relaunching and it is going to be so special. For those of you who don't know, this is our course, our big course, our big like central course on the science of spirituality. So we are looking at anatomy, physiology, chemistry, physics, what a photon is, what a mitochondria is, how light affects the body, how light can change your hormones, what your thoughts do to your digestive system. Like we look at all of it and we try to figure out, okay, so here's a set of spiritual practices. How can we explain this scientifically? Think of it as like if Andrew Huberman had a child with Mm, let's pick someone really fun, Marianne Williamson. So Andrew Huberman had a child with Marianne Williamson. It would be this course and that child would be elite. 
Um, so there's tons of science, there's tons of spirituality. We try to link them all together. We look at fun studies together. You learn a lot. This course is definitely for anyone who's intensely, intensely curious. By the end of it, you are certified in being an energy healer and a breathwork facilitator. When we say energy healer, we don't really mean anything like Reiki, um, although we love Reiki. It's amazing. I go to it all the time. Um, it's more so in the sense of like, how can we bring more energy and vitality to the body using science? So we're looking at things like, what do negative ions do to the body? What do electrons do to the body? What do photons do to the body? Kind of stuff like that. Metabolic pathways of energy and how nutrients go so far beyond just the food you eat, how sun is a nutrient, grounding is a nutrient, the people around you are a nutrient, the media you consume is a nutrient. Um, all of that stuff can affect the energy in your body. So the course is really, I mean, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's like my most favorite thing in the world. It's my true passion is the overlap between science and spirituality. It's been the passion of my life for the longest time that I can remember. I've been annoying my mom with questions like, well, why is this guy blue? And why is this? Blah, 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 blah. So I, I've, I can't even tell you how many nights I've stayed up watching YouTube videos, trying to figure out the answers to things. So this course has just like been my life work. I love it so much. We've got, it's all study at your own pace. Now all the, all the workshops are pre-recorded. So however you like to learn, it's in there. If you want to read, we got stuff to read. If you want a book, we send you a book. If you want to watch videos, there's videos. If you need visuals, there's PowerPoints. So there's all the different ways to learn. Next year, we're going to be adding in an audio component so you can kind of listen to it like it's a podcast. And on top of that, we've got an amazing community. So there's almost 100 people in the Being Method right now. We've got a WhatsApp chat that is on fire, like such good people. People come there with their personal problems and get the best advice. We're sharing podcasts, books, like I'm learning from you guys. It's it's just incredible. I really love it. It warms my heart so much. We've also got our monthly meetings that are going to be hosted by me and special guests going over really special topics. Not to mention that we have bonus material in there, which is our business module, which goes over business finances, how to start your own business, all the different kind of systems that I use to create passive income if that interests you. So the being method, it's great. It offers you the knowledge and then it also helps you with a road path to doing your own thing if that's what you want to do. We also have a BIPOC discount code, which is a thousand dollars off the course, which, which is a lot. <laughs> so if you consider yourself BIPOC, then email us and we'll give you the code and you can get in. This is launching July 1st. July 1st is when the course launches. If you want early bird pricing, please join my email newsletter. I will put a link to it in the show notes. And yeah, read more about the Being Method on our sales page. It's genuinely, I think, one of the best courses ever, <laughs> which I don't say that about many things that I create. I, I don't gloat that often, but I, I do really love this course. And I will say that, yeah, if you're someone who's curious, if you've always wanted to know the science behind spirituality, please join. You won't regret it. And I would love to see you in there. Okay, enjoy this episode, guys. Love you. Does he ever get triggered? And if he does, what does that look like for you guys? What would you? What would your bit like if someone's listening and they're like, "I'm in a relationship. I love him. He's not consistent. Boy has trauma, or girl has trauma, or they have trauma." What would you? What advice would you offer to that person? What I would offer to that person is like, is that what you? Are you okay with that? Are you okay with someone not being consistent? Are you, is that what you want? Are you able to sit through that? Are you able to be patient and 
and because that's a, a practice of it's a practice like our like, okay I'm, I'm thinking about a friend I had who had a partner that was going through a lot of stuff I'm talking like a lot of stuff and she stayed and she just kind of like was like supportive and knew she was very conscious of what was happening in the end the relationship didn't work out mm. and she kind of spent a year in that space maybe a little bit longer and so um I don't think it was anything wasted I think she learned so much about herself she's such mm-hmm. a different person mm-hmm. since then and she has just become more of an exceptional human being so the question is like do you want to explore that do you want to be in a space where you have a partner that's inconsistent if that's constantly triggering your stuff, I just don't know if that's going to be feel good to you. If that, it's yeah. not about being so selfish. It's only about you because our partners will be going through things. And it's like, if they're going through something and they're inconsistent, but they're in therapy, they're working on yeah, it, they're trying, they're the communicating. Yeah. Like that's the key. But yeah. if they're not taking any action on themselves to like make it work, then it's just kind of like you're just hoping and wishing and waving. Yeah, so, yeah. I think seeing seeing someone try, like we're never going to be perfect. Like I've definitely got my imperfections, but at the end of the day, I don't want to hurt my husband. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to become aware of them and work on them to the best of my ability, whatever that looks like. And I expect that from him. Like I, if he does something that is like, you know, I don't want to stand for, I can't remember. He's like trying to remember. We haven't really fought that much, but there's been a few times where, I don't know, he said something. I think we were in a fight and he was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I think he was saying like the fight, but I took it as this, like our relationship. I was pregnant at the time and I like freaked out. (laughs) I had a full on panic attack. And I remember afterwards I calmed down. We came to the, you know, understanding that he just meant this, the fight, not our entire existence and our relationship. But I looked at him and I was like, you cannot say things like that to me. Like that freaked me out. And he was like, I'm, I know, I'm sorry. And he never has again. And it's just like, I think, yeah, having grace for people, like they're going to mess up and say unbecoming things sometimes or do weird stuff like me, like packing up a bag. Like I'm like three years old. I'm running away. Um, and that's probably scary for him too. Yeah. Even though he's kind of like playing it cool and maybe it's not as scary, but like, you know, if he's secure and he loves you and he knows that this is kind of like how you're responding to a situation that you felt mass capacity at. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that like my, I, I had to drop the bad bitch so fast because I was like, that's just not, I don't want to ever make him feel. Mm-hmm afraid that I'm gonna leave you know yeah. or I don't want that because like they want to feel like whoever you're with wants to feel safe too and the only way you can help them feel safe is by being vulnerable and like that's when you see people's true essence like the true intimacy comes mm-hmm. from like helping that person feel just as safe as they're helping you feel safe and that's like they're, that's gold like I feel mm-hmm. so sorry for people who don't have the capacity or try to form like very intimate relationships with friends or lovers or anyone. Cause that's like knowing having someone know you that well mm-hmm. is worth any amount of heartbreak. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of really important to, to, I mean, it is, you can do it every month, but it's, if you want to have a meaningful 
relationship, you have to go to that level of intimacy and vulnerability. And so much of the fear that I have in the relationship are really just about me getting hurt again. And that's the moments when I want to like, you know, I just get so scared, you know, and I just, and it's really this unnecessary. At some point I needed that. I needed that protection mechanism because I had been through so much where my heart had literally been through so much. I couldn't go through anymore, you know? And so, but when you meet someone that's so ready to love on you and be there for you, um, and this is something we've talked about, uh, you've got to let those mechanisms down. And if you get hurt, you will be fine. It's going to hurt. It's going to be messy. It's going to suck. But like, if you look at every other heartbreak that you've been through, you've gotten through it, you know, and you've come out stronger, you know, a different person, you've learned lessons. So if you kind of have both of those mindsets, like I need to put my heart on the table because I need to see how deeply I can love and I can be loved. And Mm -hmm. also if I put my heart on the table and it gets hurt, going back to the first part, now I know how to take care of myself too. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, you get a choice in life. Like you can choose the path of protecting yourself, but you're not going to feel those highs. No one's going to know you. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to have that depth to life, like that juicy, juicy, juicy depth. And that's the other route is like having those ups and downs. Like you're going to love people and you're going to lose them inevitably. And it's like, I think I lay awake all the time being like, I have four people in my immediate family now, like right here in these beds and I'm going to lose them one day. Mm -hmm. And it, oh, it's like, I live like tears in my eyes, but I would rather that than not have them at all. Like I'd rather have that than be here alone being the quote unquote, you know, MJ with her protective mechanisms. So that. Okay. It's true. I mean, it's really important to look at it like that. Even taking as far as the like, you know, accepting grief and death and mm-hmm. uh, as someone who's been through a lot of loss, it does put things into perspective for me a lot of times when I get upset about something or, you know, thinking about things. I'm just kind of like, life is so short mm-hmm. and I can sit in this and I can be really mad for longer than I'm already mad about this, or I can think in like the grand scheme of this is it's not, I would, this is not as important as it needs to be. And there are some things that are important that need to get worked out. Talk, yeah, I'm of talking course, about of the, course. Little, the little things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I saw a quote the other day that was like, shame is such a powerful emotion that some people would rather lose everybody in their life than face it, face they were wrong. And that is just true of almost every emotion like fear is so powerful that some people would rather lose people in their life than face fear fear of like being seen or grief i like you've lost people i've lost people like i am petrified of losing my husband i call mm-hmm. i facetime him all the time being like where are you are you okay it's a real you know like yeah I'm it's like so real yeah it's it's hard i know i i got messages all the time of people being like how do you deal with the fear of losing this person via like them, you know, cheating if you've been cheated on or dying if you've had people die around you. Like it's scary, but yeah, it's just choosing, choosing love. 
Now the dying on you thing is real. Yeah. <laughs> that fear is real. I got so triggered one time. Um, it's, it was so funny. I mean, I can laugh at it in the past now, but in the moment it was so triggering because he is a very social person. And I was uh, in Los Angeles and he went out one night with his friends and because he works in nightlife and in the entertainment industry. And when he goes out, he's like the sweetest thing. He's like, you know, like sends pictures and like, it's just really cute and uh, very sweet. And one night um, he was telling text me, he's like, I'm heading home. I love you. And he knew it was late for me, but he just was checking in to make sure that I knew that he was mm-hmm. on his way home. And his phone died or he didn't text me, I'm home. You know, mm-hmm. and his phone, and like I woke up and I was like, and his phone died. So my message didn't go through. I, I woke up and I, like every possible scenario that you could imagine went through my head. And I was yeah. like, losing it and he finally woke up and he's like my love how are you and I'm like <laughs> um, not and, good not good yeah. and it was just such a moment where I was like okay that was a grief trigger that was scary and that was intense um I've been through a lot of loss and I understand where that came from and at the same time like it is what it is and you know it was what those moments where I've had to learn to like love myself even through the triggers and Mm -hmm. it's just so cute because he was so he was like genuinely like I I did everything like I I texted on my way home like like, I I don't know like what what's wrong what's happened you know Mm -hmm. and it was just such a moment of like your stuff and that's where it's always like you're never going to be totally healed you're never going to be perfect Mm -hmm. but our stuff is real too yeah yeah when Ian pulls in sometimes I'm like tapping in the window like Okay, he's here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I can't do the single mom life. (laughs) (laughs) So I know in your, could I call it a course? The Benchen course. I've done it. It's amazing. It's so good. My daughter's done it with me. I always love seeing the pop up. Oh, I love it. Honestly, if my life wasn't so chaotic, I know I'm like, sometimes I'm like, am I just making excuses for myself? But it is really chaotic. I don't, I have a ton of time, but I cannot wait to do it again when my kids like hopefully sleep a little bit better one day. I love them. I know a lot of people in that course have found love and they claim that it's Ben Shen. Okay. So sell it to us. What is it? How do we do it? How do we use it to fall in love? I love it. I honestly, if I'm not, this isn't like, me just trying to sell your course, but like it is because I, I genuinely, you didn't ask me, you didn't ask me, but I genuinely, genuinely, if you're listening, it's amazing. It's a month long. So you don't have to commit to like a super long time, but there's like every morning you're with a community. You don't have to do it live, but it can be live. You're doing different Kriyas of Kundalini, but it's not just that. It's like life coaching on top of that. And then you're also in these things called pods. And it's like a group of the most amazing people you've ever met. And you guys get so intimate and close. And it's like, it's just, I I genuinely, genuinely love it. It's genius. But tell us about people's experience in that with love. Like, I'm sure you have stories, testimonials of people. I think that, I mean, yes, people send me messages all the time. Someone just sent me a message the other day about how, you know, when she started Benchon, she created a vision that she wanted a partner and she just got engaged. And yeah, just like so many sweet things. I think that, you know, a lot of people are just 
we're just trying to live our lives based off of what we've been taught and we don't know any better and we don't know that we can choose different things or say no to things or some of us and myself included from when I first started to where I am now we have such low self-esteem and such low self-worth that when you do something like put yourself in a container of getting clear about what it is that you want getting clear about what your values are and not just in love, but in love and money and work and life mm-hmm. and friendships. But like when you start to put yourself first in that way, you have so much to give to the world. And I think that for people that come to Benchland, when they get there the first time, it's really shocking in a way because so many people have just not realized that they can be consciously creating their life and we kind of just go along with what life throws at us. And by consciously creating your life, it means that life is still going to throw things at you. It's still going to throw the unemotional, emotionally available people at you. When you're consciously creating your life, you get clear about, oh, that's not what I want. That's not what I value. This is what I want. And this is what I value. So I'm going to come over here. I'm not going to waste my time, my energy. I'm going to have boundaries. And a lot of people, the being in a container with a pod, with an accountability group of seeing other people do it too, There is a quote that you are the top five people that you surround yourself with. So Mm -hmm. if you are in a container of other people trying their best to get clear about what it is that they want, supporting each other, lifting each other up, law of divine transference is I take one step towards what I want and must take one step towards me. And when you're in a container for a month, it gets you beyond the point of, you know, like the first impulse to go back to our old patterns and our old stuff. And so, um, It's just people get in touch with themselves and who they are and what they want. And when you do that, a lot of things happen and change really quickly in our life. And so there's no real, I hate to say it, there's no magic recipe or magic pill. It's really just if you commit to a month or longer, some people do it every month, Mm -hmm. of getting really clear about who you are and what you want and start moving in that direction your life will change mm-hmm. because you're going against everything you've been doing to get you where you are now. Yeah. And you're building awareness. Mm-hmm. Like I think just having awareness for me, like just starting to be a more aware of myself, my patterns, what I don't want, what I do want. And it's never ending. Like I always reach these new levels of being like, wow, I cannot believe I'm here. And they're also, I don't know if you can hear my daughter literally screaming. Okay, good. It sounds so cute. But just getting clear on like all those different things about yourself that, you know, we would have thought before, this is my personality, or this is just the way I am, or this is because my family is this way. And knowing that like none of that stuff is real. Like you can literally be different if you want to. And it just takes awareness. I'm going to be single forever. Yeah. Right before I met my partner, I was, I like came to terms with that. I was like, you know what? That's always when he comes. I was so like, I really came to terms with it. And I was like, I'm going to be 33, which is still very young. I'm, I'm very aware of that. But I was just like, I, if I'm just meant to be single, move to Italy, be a cougar for the rest of my life and just like have fun romances. Maybe that was the experience I was meant to have here. I was like, I don't know. Something clearly is up because I Mm -hmm. haven't met my person yet. 
And I became so okay with that. I was like, I've got my Ben Shun people. I've got the best friends. I've got my community. I've got all these great things. I was like, if then maybe I'm just supposed to move to Italy and just like, I was so okay with it. I was like, you know, I've had a pretty good life. I've like done some really great things. I've met amazing people. And then boom, one month later. Ian and I always laugh about how both of us had come to that point. We were both just like, okay, I think I'm just meant to be alone. Like I'm just meant to do this journey on my own. That's fine. And then boop. <laughs> it's it's so funny because I for a moments like reading about that, that like that's how people got to like into their relationship. Like they had I remember moments where I like tried to feel that way, you know? But I like yeah. tried to <laughs> I actually don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I really did care. And it was not even a it was not that I did. I mean, I, I wanted, I was very clear. Like I want a relationship. I'd love to have one. Mm-hmm. I want a partnership. I actually, the biggest change that actually happened, not just reading attached, but I had to get clear that I wanted a relationship mm-hmm. because I kept saying I did and I thought I wanted one. But when I actually got those moments where I was like love bombed that they came in hot and heavy and then they pulled away, I did some investigating on my life. And I was like, wow, that always happens consistently at the moment where if we did take the relationship to the next level, it would mean that I would have to be vulnerable. Mm. They would have to see me messy. They'd have to see me not perfect. They'd have to see all of these parts of myself that I was so afraid to let people see. And I realized that I was actually energetically choosing this relationships because I was totally emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. I was not ready to go to that point. And my mentor said something that changed it for me. I was mentoring with him for like 12, 13 years. And one day I was on his, uh, like the acupuncture table and he was doing a treatment and I was telling him there's some big stuff going on. I don't know what happened. Something, something really big, sad was happening. And I was really upset. And I, he looks at me and just smiles and he goes, when you are ready, I was like, snot coming out of my nose, you know? And he's like, when you're ready to let someone see you like that, that's when you'll be ready for love. Mm. And I, I couldn't that. even fathom that moment. I was like, what do you mm. mean? Like this. No one's supposed to see me like this, but you. And I pay you $200 an hour to see me like this. <laughs> I pay you to see my boogers. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's real. It's true. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story and talking about love. It's been, I mean, we've never met, but it's been beautiful watching your love blossom online. <laughs> thank you and I love that you know you and I have both been through a lot and we both have trauma and we both have a lot of defense mechanisms and I think that it's really beautiful to hear two people talk about love and people that have manifested their partners and have created really beautiful relationships um because it's it's possible and mm-hmm. it's really it's beautiful and you don't have to be perfect to have a partner you don't have to be fully healed that person's actually going to help you heal deeper parts of yourself Mm -hmm. that you that's like the job of the relationship when you find secure love then that love starts to heal other things by proximity almost yeah yeah no ian hundred percent starts to he has healed so much of my trauma just by being calm and there like so i get the trigger i go through my little moment and then I I open my eyes and he's there and he's arms are open and he's like I love you so much I'm here for you whatever you need and I'm like oh like 
okay, so then the next time that trigger comes up, I'm like, I I start to get programmed with safety instead of, you know, whatever was happening, whatever chaos was happening before. It's so beautiful. I have one funny little snippet to share before we wrap because this was when I was getting clear about what I wanted. I realized that on my list of everything I wanted, I left out conflict, how we get through conflict together, how we can like really those very important things, like how when I'm insecure, how do we get through that together? And in the, um, on my note, which I wrote this note about what I wanted on my phone on September 25th, and I've never touched it. Um, I look at it and he is literally every single thing to a T. But the one thing was that I wrote specifically about conflict was, gets through conflict with humor, mm. laughs with me, not at me. Okay, Desiree's computer died. <laughs> so I'm saying goodbye to you guys solo. Check out the Ben Shen course. It's amazing. You can find them on Instagram, Ben Shen. You can find Desiree on Instagram. I will put all of the links to all of her stuff in the show notes. And thank you for joining me on the Being Method podcast. I hope that you guys you know, really resonated with this, you know, our stories about love and just being in love. And I'll leave you with, yeah, be brave out there. Like show your heart, be brave. You know, if you're courageous, you will be greatly, greatly, greatly rewarded maybe with the best love story of all time. So that's been the truth of my experience. And I hope that that rings true for anyone who's calling in love. And uh, if you're not, I love you. So you got that. Bye.